Good morning, Kaiser Nation. We're back with another episode of Kaiser Nation Radio, and today we are taking a deep dive down into carbohydrates. So I told you last week that we're going to be following along the nutrition challenge and spending a little more time talking about um, kind of the purpose behind each of the weeks, each of the challenges, and each of the macronutrient focuses um, in a, a format that Sam doesn't quite have the the time to write a 10,000-page email for all of you guys to read. So I'm going to talk about it here. So you probably noticed that a lot of the challenges this week are around um, carbohydrates. And so um, part of the part of the challenge is no no sugary drinks, uh, no artificial sweeteners, um, all, all of that kind of thing. And it's about um, sugar consumption. And so by the end of this, I hope that everybody gets the impression that, that um, all carbs are uh, a tool. And I don't want to demonize or promote a huge consumption of carbs, right? There's definitely a time and a place for all diet frameworks, and it kind of depends on what exactly that we're looking for. And so we're gonna dig down into uh, biologically what carbs effect have on the body, uh, have on the body, and uh, when we should be using them. And so um, first, I kind of want to talk about uh, what the the purpose of, of carbs is. And so uh, at a very high level. Uh, but we'll dig down to it more soon. Carbs is a storage mechanism that allows our body to, to gain weight. Sometimes this is beneficial, sometimes this is not. But from an evolutionary standpoint, um, what this did was this is what caused humans to survive long winters. And so if we have, uh, if we think about before that we were able to ship in plants from thousands of miles away, if you were only able to eat what was locally around you during the winter, think about how many fresh fresh plants are around for consumption right there would be there would be almost no carbs during the winter there'd be no fruits there'd be no vegetables there'd be no breads because the grain is frozen right and so all you'd be able to eat during the winter is is uh, protein animal fats maybe some some nuts or seeds if they if you harvest them previously during the the summer but and so what we're looking at is evolutionarily humans developed in this uh, cyclical uh, nutrition framework and so during the summer and during the I guess rather during the fall when everything was ripening and everything was harvesting um, there was a, a overabundance of carbohydrates around there was lots of wild berries there was the harvested plants and so humans were able to um, consume huge quantities of carbohydrates which made them gain a little bit of weight going into the winter so in the winter when they were in almost a, a keto uh, keto state from having uh, almost no carbs their body then was able to burn a lot of that off with a mechanism that allowed them to use their body fat as stored energy in place of readily available food now I'm not saying that as modern humans we should follow that, tre- that trend because it's definitely um, better for longevity in order to have a little bit more of a less aggressive more even keel approach to nutrition we should definitely be eating our fruits and vegetables the whole year long not just during the hot months but this is these are the biological mechanisms that our body still uses because we haven't had enough time to evolve away from these mechanisms yet and so i always like to think about this when i'm thinking about carbohydrate consumption because it really kind of puts into perspective what carbs do for your body and so let's let's 
not even talk about the difference of the different types of carbs yet, right? So we can we can talk about vegetables, we can talk about fruits, we can talk about breads, we can talk about all of these things kind of on the same level for now. And so in general, when we consume carbs, what happens is that um, that change in blood sugar it creates an insulin response, and that insulin response is what is actually triggering the the grow the um, storage mechanism in your body. So let's take two different people. So let's take an athlete and a non-athlete. And so we have somebody who who uh, we'll take a really high level. We'll take a competitive CrossFit athlete, somebody that trains for several hours a day with super high intensity workouts um, and. If we remember from our previous talks, we talked about muscle glycogen and all that stuff. So when we have these stored energy systems in our muscles, when we work out with high intensity, we deplete those muscles. Um, those energy systems are refueled from carbohydrates. And so if we take somebody who is repetitively doing high intensity exercises and draining their muscles on the introduction of carbs after their workout um, or throughout the day even, that's... Uh, refilling of that glycogen happens. And so it doesn't get stored as adipose tissue, as fat tissue. It's stored as muscle glycogen ready to do work the next time because your body knows that something else is coming. Your body is very, very good at protecting itself from whatever stimulus you throw at it often. So if you're working out a lot, your body is going to know to store a lot of glycogen so that it's prepared for the next workout so it doesn't have to pull energy away from vital systems on the spot. Um, however, what this looks like if you are not working out, right? Or, or if it, even you're just a, uh, you know, I, I CrossFit three, four, even five times a week for just the class wad and then nothing extra, right? That level of glycogen storage needs to be a lot lower. And so then if you were consuming the same level of, you know, same level of carbs as, you know, a, uh, as a, you know, Matt Frazier, then your glycogen stores are only going to fill to the point where they see themselves as full where you typically need and then everything else is going to get stored in adipose tissue because your body still remembers that time when you had to store up for the winters because you didn't know um you didn't know when that next uh, meal was really coming during those cold months right even though that's not true anymore our body does not know that yet it'll take it'll take another another few million years for that to really happen but um, now if we take somebody who is on the other extreme. And so we see these two people a lot, right? We see the, the young athletes who are gung-ho and they're super competitive. And sometimes you see them eat absolute garbage. And the reason why they can get away with that is because the level of intensity and the level of volume of their training um, is so high that they actually need some of that garbage to get enough carbohydrates. Um, some of the games athletes are eating seven, 800 grams of carbs a day. Anybody tracking your macros realizes how many that is. That's absurd. Um, it is impossible to eat 800 grams of broccoli in a day. It, is, it just won't happen. It is like a dump truck full of broccoli. And so as long as they're still getting their, their good carbs, right, getting their, um, their micronutrients from the veggies and the fruits, having some of those we call it sometimes dirty carbs um, can be beneficial to their training because it gives them a very acute insulin response right after the workout. This isn't super necessary for, uh, we call them the, the weekend warriors, right? Your, your um, once a day CrossFitters, because we have an entire day to replenish our muscles, right? And this is pretty much everybody in the gym, right? Um, there isn't any of us that comes in and trains hard multiple times a day. Uh, even if you kill it when you're there, 
if you are not trying to gain weight or gain muscle, you don't need any of that extra fuel. And so we can use the whole next day to replenish that glycogen through, um, you know, quote, better carb sources through our fruits and our vegetables. It will slowly replenish our glycogen that way. We don't need the quick fix that, uh, uh, that breads and sugars will give us. Uh, on the other side, if we're taking the other extreme where somebody does not work out at all, they uh, go home after they sit at work all day, then they go home and they sit on the couch and watch TV and eat Doritos, all of those carbohydrates are now immediately being stored as fat because their energy expenditure is zero. Their glycogen levels never drop, and so at least not any more than it would from walking, which is which is basically zero. That's a an oxidative function that your muscles do not use its glycogen for. Um, the closest thing might be people walking up a set of stairs, but it's such a small amount that it's negligible. If those stores are always full, the consumption of carbohydrates um, can't cap them off because there's no space. And so then all of that overflow goes right into adipose tissue and storage, uh, which is why we have such a huge obesity epidemic in the United States is we have a all-time low of exercise and physical activity in the job. And then we have an all-time high of refi refined carbohydrates, where in reality, a you know, a Dorito has more carbohydrates than a whole plate full of vegetables, right? Um, and so in reality, the average person really does not need that many carbs. Um, there's a lot of fear out there around, you know, like, oh, paleo and low carb and even more extreme keto. Uh, there are people at the gym who are doing keto right now who are having pretty some, some success with it. They, they're surviving our workouts just fine. The intensity might be a little bit lower, but if a... Uh, average crosser can handle it, it's definitely would be enough to meet the needs of the general population. And I'm not recommending that anybody goes keto without uh, serious thought. And then really, I would recommend you come talk to me about that first. Uh, so I can tell you a little bit more about the, the risks of it. But the point being that um, there are lots of examples out there of proof that you do not need that many carbohydrates to survive. There are actually entire um, entire populations um, that still live um, uh, in like indigenous north countries that don't eat any carbohydrates. Um, and it's because it's the one macronutrient your body actually does not need to survive. Now it will not function optimally. Um, your brain loves carbohydrates, right? Your muscles love carbohydrates and it's the primary energy source for your body. So it's not great to live your entire life without any. Um, but who's to say that it's not okay for your body to do it for short periods of time, right? Uh, it's it's funny. I um, me me and Sam follow a a lot of uh, nutrition experts and stuff like that. And one of our favorites, uh, Jason Phillips, he he talked about um, periodization of nutrition. Uh, just like I talk about periodization of programming, where we should go through uh, hypertrophy phases and strength phases and conditioning phases. He's talking about. Why, why do humans think that we have to have the same diet year-round all the time with no changes? And he's like, That's, that screams that uh, an organism is, is weak. If we are, we're so fragile that we can't go, we can't go without carbs for a month, or we can't, we can't uh, go without this for a month, or we can't uh, change the macronutrient profile without it severely affecting us. And in, in reality, that's how humans evolved without knowing exactly what we're gonna get and um, 
you know, succeeding fairly well on it. The the ones that succeeded are the ones that passed on their genes to us. So those are those are the ones we got. Um, so now we can talk a little bit more about instead of talking about kind of nutritional periodization and talking about um, what carbs in general do, we can talk about the more specific types of carbs. Um, and so they all have a similar mechanism, but the, the degree and the concentration of that mechanism varies a lot. And so I talked about when you consume a carb, there's an increase in your blood sugar and it causes an insulin response, which causes storage. Post-workout is great because that storage mechanisms bring nutrients into the muscles, which help growth. Um, uh, outside of your workout, if, there's, uh, if your glycogen stores are full, it's not beneficial because it stores fat. But depending on what we eat depends on the severity of that mechanism. Um, and we talk about this in kind of two weeks. We talk about this in the glycemic index and total glycemic load, um, which are similar, but it's like talking about um, like, I don't know, specific heat versus total thermal energy for my, my you know, engineering nerds out there. And so if we, if we talk about like a, a piece of broccoli, the uh, glycemic index on broccoli is, is very low. But if I eat 10 pounds of broccoli, my total glycemic load, which would be like how many total pounds of broccoli eight times the glycemic index um, for a pound of broccoli is my total glycemic load. It's, it's how, basically how many carbs did I consume and how is it gonna affect my body? Um, meanwhile, on the other side, you know, a, like a, a single Dorito has a very high glycemic, glycemic index. However, if you eat one Dorito, it's a relatively low glycemic load, right? And this is, this is how you can uh, enjoy kind of those, um, those, those crutches, right? Enjoy those really delicious things that our Western population has figured out how to make, right? But the problem is it's so hard to have one or two of them because they are um, engineered to be addictive and extremely desirable to our brain because carbs are so scarce uh, in previous millennia. However, um, so we can talk about, we're talking about those two concepts throughout this. And so if we think about when we eat fruits and vegetables, most fruits and vegetables are on a very low glycemic index. Um, and Sam give, gave you a whole list in the email of what's high, what's low, what's medium. Low glycemic carbs have a, a very low profile energy response. And so if we think about um, we all know about the sugar crash, and it, the opposite is true for the vegetables. And so if you think about the sugar crash first, if I eat a bag of Skittles, I'm gonna have so much energy for an hour, and then I'm gonna wanna take a nap. Because all of the energy stored within those Skittles are immediately metabolizing, and they're jacking up your blood sugar, and they're increasing your insulin response, and then all of that energy needs to be used right then or else it's gonna just dissipate and being stored somewhere. Stored as either muscle, muscle glycogen or as fat. Um, however, um, your more, your lower glycemic index carbs like, um, you, know, you know, vegetables is on the extreme other side. Uh, it might, even if you took the same number of carbs, um, the, the area under that glycemic curve, that, that total GI impact might be similar, um, but it's much more spread out. And so you're gonna have a very subtle peak around consumption, but the energy is gonna be there for much, much longer. And so this is much more sustainable for somebody that lives their life in a low intensity atmosphere, which for example, is like our work life, right? Um, most of us, even if, even if we are, do have a fairly active work life where we're up on our feet moving around a lot, 
there's still it's still a very low intensity uh, movement and we don't need um, to be burning tons and tons of carbs throughout the day to handle walking around whether we're you know even our teachers or servers or whatever uh, and so the concentration of that blood sugar is directly affected to how much energy is stored as fat and so that's that's the argument for eating these lower GI carbs. That and you can eat way more of them. So from a purely practical standpoint, if we are either trying to stay the same weight or we're trying to cut weight, um, you can eat so many veggies because the amount of carbs per unit weight is really, really low. And that does not, that's not what exactly dictates the GI index. It's more about how it molecularly breaks down the body. It's because fruits, uh, fruit sugar and table sugar is not the same. Fruit sugar actually has a, an extra molecule attached to it. So the, the digestion rates and breakdowns are different, but we can kind of think about it this way because the, the bigger, less dense carbs typically are lower in the GI index because of um, well, fiber content and things like that. And so eating those, the vegetables being the lowest have a very, very low sustained energy source. Fruits in general are in the middle. There are definitely fruits that pop up in the high GI, uh, like watermelon, stuff like that are super high GI, like high, they're just as high as bread. But um, that's why I usually recommend that you have a piece of fruit before you come in for your workout. It'll give you that nice like pick-me-up, um, a lot of good energy. There's still a lot of good uh, vitamins and minerals in fruits. And it'll give you that, um, it'll top off that glycogen going into that workout so that you can hammer that workout and hit some extra intensity. Um, that and logistically, it's really hard to eat a whole meal before you come work out. But most people really struggle to work out on an empty stomach. So that's usually a, a good little, little fallback. Um, and then the super high GI carbs, right? And so now we're talking about, um, ref uh, uh, we're talking about table sugars, we're talking about refined carbohydrates, anything packaged and bagged, right? We're talking about um, the top end of breads, whole grain or whole wheat breads are a little bit lower, but they're still bread. Like eating, eating a whole wheat bread is not better than eating vegetables. Um, but there is a place for this, right? So we, the the paleo community in general likes to demonize these these things however they do have a purpose you just have to be very careful it's a tool if we are trying to gain muscle mass if we're trying to if we're really really thin we're trying to gain weight all these highly dense caloric sources and really really high gi sources is going to trigger that mechanism to store to store weight right and so um I've told you before, it's near impossible to gain muscle without gaining some fat, unless you're in that beginner phase. And so triggering that fat storage mechanism is also gonna trigger the same responses that are gonna help with muscle growth and all those things. Which is why for high level athletes, we do recommend that they have a pure sugar source right after the workout. They can top off that glycogen source, trigger that growth mechanisms, and then they're also ready for their next session in three or four hours. Um, like that doesn't sound like anybody in our gym, right? We have we have one games athlete, and uh, and um, that does not fit the mold for ninety nine percent. But it is still interesting to think about because we we get to see how these high level athletes sometimes eat like you know they eat like they're eight years old. Especially CrossFitters tend to eat fairly well um, with with some scientific nutrition or scientific accuracy rather. 
But then if we watch other athletes, like, like, real, like, freak athletes, and, like, some of, like, these football players, these baseball players, eat absolute garbage and only eat garbage, they perform at such a high level, and it's literally because they have to go through this. But what happens is after they stop playing the game, they gain tons of weight and their health gets really, really bad because they don't know how else to eat. Um, it was supporting their athletic competitive lifestyle, but it is not supporting longevity or a quality of life long-term. And so people, people have this notion that, oh, this guy looks really good. I'm going to work out exactly like him and I'm going to eat exactly like him and I'm going to look like him. But in reality, it's a, it's a stepwise process. You have to think about what, what was this person doing 10, 15, 20 years ago that can get you there. And, um, unfortunately in order to, unless you are one of these freak athletes, in order to get to that spot where you can kind of have fun and like open up on the weekend sometimes and have some of those fun carbs, you have to put in a lot of work of eating the right thing and doing the right training to build your mass up to the point where you can have that buffer room. It's taken me five, six years, actually more than that, by eight or nine years of training now, of hard weight training, to build enough mass where if I have pizza one night, it doesn't fuck up my entire week and gain 12 pounds. Um, now, I definitely feel bad other ways, but um, that's a whole different story. Uh, so I, I hope that helped clear up some of the carbs, guys. Uh, takeaways from this, most of us in the gym should be sticking to fruits and vegetables for all of our carbs. Um, the more volume you do, the more carbs you need. And that's really the name of the game. There's a lot of complexity there, but your carbs intake should match your training intensity and volume. And that's, that's, that's really it. Follow that rule of thumb and you'll find it a lot easier to hit your, your fitness and your aesthetic goals. But thanks for listening, guys. Uh, next week, I believe Sam's focus is fat. And so we'll be coming back with some fat talk. All right, guys. Have a good one.